Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most influential and listened to podcast in auto detailing. Welcome to the community. Hi, welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast. I'm Marshall, that's Nick. You can find us at hypercleanstore.com or go to the Hyperclean Specialist Group on Facebook. Great way to interact there. Nick, it's definitely Celebration Monday, right? Celebration Monday. No, I did not join the the chief nation that runs very red through Oklahoma. As many people here went to the game and are now bleeding red all of a sudden. But I will celebrate their uh, black and white checkered flag victory because the referees gave them another one with uh, a Boulevard beer because they are our favorite, I guess, brewery coming out of Kansas City would be Boulevard. This is called Single Wide IPA. Has not to be uh, differentiated from my double wide that I have parked out back. (laughs) Uh, Here we go. All right. Buying and selling. I guess we got to do a little bit of uh, buying and selling Super Bowl edition. First of all, I mean, did you even watch the game? Because you said you don't watch unless you're going to be betting. So did you lose or win? Uh, I had Chiefs plus the points, so that was fun. You know, let my uh, family get in on some of the fun festivities that we get to enjoy here in Vegas with uh, sports betting. So we do bet the Super Bowl just to have some interesting props and just for fun, Uh, just so we're clear. They don't build these big casinos because everyone wins. Uh, But, yeah, I mean – it's a Super Bowl. We watched. We cooked up some food. We, yeah, we enjoyed it. We did uh, wings, and then we did uh, – I had a bunch of people over. Uh, one of my buddies is headed to spring training at 10 o'clock last night on a flight. So we had a bunch of people over, and we did uh, – everybody always requests my jalapeno poppers. But the secret to my poppers, because I hate just the cheese and the bacon, that's that's whack. So let me give everybody the secret. Put yourself some nice thin piece of steak inside the popper with the cream cheese and the half jalapeno. Wrap that in bacon. Put yourself some nice seasoning on the outside and you'll be the hit of the party. It's the steak, huh? It's definitely yeah, the steak. Yeah, I mean, have you ever just had a popper and you're like, wow, this is cream cheese and no spice. So, yeah, you got to stick a little slice of steak in there. And so we had wings and that. Uh, like a seven layer dip type of thing. That oh, yeah. seems to we love. were, I mean, and we were in the sixties all day. So we were, yeah, it was we beautiful, right? It's yeah. beers out in the afternoon, put up all the pregame on the patio, right? Like probably similar to what you did. We didn't hop in a pool, still a little chilly <laughs> for that. It's a, little, hey, it's a little chilly here, but, uh, yeah, we had a good time. Fixed a uh, steak fixed. Uh, I do wings too, did wings and just watched a, uh, uh, eventful, really fun game. But let's get into buy and sell then, right? Buy and sell because you and I aren't really NFL correspondents. But we're going to buy and sell. And I'm going to do a little uh, little sell that you don't have to be super anymore to be in the Super Bowl, right? <laughs> like you could just even look at the finale because you could get it all the way to the finale. We got to get, hopefully with Brady going to Fox Sports now, hopefully we can get somebody new on that podium handing out the awards. And listen, the commentating was was just as ironically non-super throughout the whole thing. 
but if we're all real is what most people are talking about. If you're not a Monday morning quarterback, we get it. But if you're a Monday morning dancer or somebody that has gone to a high school prom and shake their booty out on the dance floor, you've looked up at the halftime event and go, wow, that was far from superior, right? You yeah. don't have to be super anymore to be in the Super Bowl because, I mean, literally, what production manager saw that during all the warm-ups over the past weeks? What production manager got hired and went, wow, oh, yeah, that should be on the Super Bowl? Had nothing to do with the people that were up there. This is merely the people that were in the production of it. And you go, wow, that's super? I don't know. But overall, listen, I'm going to go favorite commercial, though. I'm done selling. Let's go favorite commercial. And I apologize, Dustin, if it's no longer a Dodge comp, you know, a Dodge vehicle. It's now a Ram, right? But listen, they definitely took the cake for me. Best commercial out there, the Ram ED commercial. I mean, I'm sorry, the Ram ET commercial, right? EV, <laughs> EV commercial, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. But yeah. playing off of the ED was just... Oh, I was rolling, super yeah, rolling. Yeah, I, th I thought it, look, at least it was creative. Yeah. I don't know if I would attach a truck to ED. And manly but... truck, right? Trying to be manly Dodge guy. <laughs> so I got to imagine if I own a Ram today that I'm feeling a certain type of way from what took place. It, look, they were creative. So you don't want to ding them because so many commercials, It's it's now a, a drum that gets beat after every Super Bowl. We're out of the creative commercial, funny commercial, interesting commercial era. Like that's gone. There's now, still a couple, knows? a couple, right? But not like they used to. And definitely the one that had me rolling second place for me because it's just something you and I just were giving shits and giggles about is really the the corporate call out about rock stars and the yeah. corporate call out about all the trophies and everybody, you get a trophy and you get a trophy. <laughs> like, we're giving away trophies. And they're like, yeah, Hey, dude. stop calling people a rock star. You haven't actually been, did you do this? And they start going, did you do this? Did you do it? You know? Yeah. And I was like, God damn, that sounds like Nick and I, well, did yeah, you actually had, do you detail, had, but uh, you're handing out detailing trophies. Like yeah. stop being a rock star. Yeah. We had, uh, and how long are we going to lean on, you know, Breaking Bad's been gone for a while. Yeah. Cool commercial and all, but, you know, it's like the Caddyshack commercials that we saw with, with Michelob Ultra. Like that is a, an all time comedic classic and nothing you did was comedic. It seems like a weird vibe for, for Michelob Ultra to put two different Caddyshack commercials on neither one of them funny, which kind of flies in the face of an all-time cult classic i just found it weird and again commercials used to be must-see tv like you didn't want to get up didn't want to get up from the couch because you didn't want to be left out you didn't want to miss a commercial i can't say with all the people at my house that that was even a thought anymore and i think that kind of says it all doesn't it which is the Super Bowl is still fun to get together with friends and family. It's still an event, but it feels less of an event today than it did 10 years ago. Uh, I don't know why that is. Maybe it's just because we can watch so much content so many places now. But, yeah, the commercial thing was just not that great again. And 
you know, is it the political correctness era? Everybody's just not wanting to get in trouble to have a funny commercial, probably, uh, but it's just not good. And ultimately, you think of all the brands that launched into the stratosphere off the Super Bowl commercials. I just don't think that happens anymore. No, GoDaddy doesn't exist. No, no. I mean, it's it, and that you know, for those that weren't there, that that their one Super Bowl commercial launched that company. I just don't think that happens today. Mm. And the cost has never been higher. the The price of admission to get into those commercials has never been higher, and they've never been more useless than ever before. And, and maybe it's just the the TikTok, the Instagram, the Facebook, the YouTube. It's taken all the luster out of it. I mean, that's probably most of it, but they're also just not funny. And it's like, what are we all doing here if you're not going to try to crack a joke? I mean, they had Will Ferrell on a commercial. How is it not funny? He just walks around and he's funny. And you guys found a way to make him not funny. Like that, that had to be like a concerted effort to say, make him not funny, right? Because him just walking around, he's funny. And so it's just kind of a weird thing. But, you know, it's interesting you could have basically not watched that game and made the guess that did the refs have a major impact in the finale of the game and you could have gotten it right. You don't even have to watch the NFL that much. The memes of the trading the jerseys after the game and it's <laughs> Mahomes trading the jersey with the refs. Like those are the best. Yeah. The best. I mean, and, and again, I know the guy came out and he goes, yeah, I held him. I was hoping I'd get away with it. I will say this. You talked about people involved with the game. The one thing that I'll say, give credit to the announcer who wouldn't let it go. And then they had Pereira, the, the ex-NFL ref, which, by the way, never says anything interesting. You've never heard that guy say one interesting thing. And you, and you see that the, the, the announcing crew just wouldn't let him off the hook, said, hey, man, I get it. It's technically a penalty. But this was is not Olson, a place to well, was he with the Bengals? I can't remember. Tied in with uh, who? No, no. He was with the Panthers. Panthers, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Greg Olson, give him credit. He might not be back yeah. on the NFL call because <laughs> I'm sure the NFL League office uh, went crazy about his stance. But give him credit. If that was Troy and, Buck, and, and Joe Buck, that would have never played out that way. At least he stood up for all the fans. Like me, I had – I get it. I bet a little on the game, but I have no dog in the fight. And I can tell you when something feels like it shouldn't have been called in a moment, that was a call that shouldn't have happened. But there you go. I mean, Mahomes gets two penalties in the, in his last two games that basically change. Well, the, the announcer of, said of it at the first of the game. They said, now that Brady's gone, Mahomes is the favorite face child of the NFL. So, I mean, yeah. they predicted it. It's like, the, it's like the WWE over there. Yeah. Hey, we want it. We want him to win. Hey, call that tug. It's like, come on, man. Like, just let these guys play. It was, a, it was a good game. I mean, I enjoyed it. People get right. real bent out of shape though. So what's Nick sell buy sell? What are you doing? Uh, well, I'll do a different buy sell, but Super Bowl buy sell for me. Uh, we need some of these guys to ride off into the sunset. I don't know if you made it clear enough. Howie, Jimmy Johnson and especially Terry Bradshaw, you've had a great run, man. You're a thousand years old. It's, it's time to go fish. Like we've gotten to this place and it's happening in sports, but it's happening in life. You got to know when to hang it up. They are as bad at whatever it is you call this pregame show, halftime show, whatever they want to call that. None of it's entertaining. 
They're all too old. They stumble over their words constantly. They don't say anything interesting. There's no point to it. And so it's like, if there's no point to it, don't do it. It's like Sunday night football with that crew, you know, in the studio, they say like two words and then they go, okay, thanks for halftime. It's like, okay, this is kind of pointless. I could do Sunday night crew over Fox crew. Well, yeah, because Terry Bradshaw and Howie Long by themselves and Jimmy Johnson are brutal. Brutal. And again, I'm not, I'm not, I don't sit around and watch this stuff. I'm just saying from last night, I go, it feels like the seventies Pittsburgh Steelers was quite some time ago, Terry, it might be time, right? You're not Shaq. You're not these guys that hang around the NBA. You weren't, you know what I mean? Like it's time to go. And for whatever Fox is doing, holding on to these guys is a true disservice to, to everything. Like, it's bad. Typical A Fox guy is who they're going after. <laughs> Fox oh, listener. <laughs> oh, shucks. Terry Bradshaw's just like you. He lives in a $50 million mansion. Come on, dude. And he's not interesting. So what is interesting, though, is somebody else that we've been uh, really kind of having a fun joke back and forth with. I'm guessing it's a different buy and sell for you, huh? Yeah. So I'm going to buy something. My favorite thing to do on the internet right now and my just you know i need to to blow off some steam for 15 minutes is the detailing conspiracy theory guy and for those of you that haven't seen it which i'd be surprised if you haven't it's somebody on a tiktok and instagram reel whatever telling you how somebody's getting over on you in the detailing industry and the latest one i saw was about pad washers now for those that don't know Pad washers are not a major seller, okay? Nobody's getting over on you. So the guy makes this video and he goes, you know, don't get ripped off with these pad washers. Now, mind you, we've had plenty of people inside the professional market say, hey, this is a good pad washer. They did a great job and I really enjoy using it. And there's other people that say I don't own one, but nobody gets real worked up about pad washers. And this guy goes on a two-minute rant. They're just stealing your money, man. Well, nobody is walking in your house with a gun stealing your money. You go on the internet, you purchase one, and they send it to your house. It's not some big JFK conspiracy. Yeah, what's the conspiracy theory about a pad washer? What he's saying they don't work? He goes, all you got, all they're doing is squirting water into your pad. So just take this, some water in your spray bottle (laughs) and a brush. It's the same thing. Don't let them rip you off. And, And it's like. When did we get to this point where everybody thinks all of this money is being made on all of these really small moving products? And it just shows you the reason I love conspiracy theory guy in detailing is because he has no idea what anything costs the company, but he just tells you everybody's getting over on you. I don't know if he all, he thinks we're all sitting on a yacht somewhere together like hey man this new thing we're going to come out with we're going to make even more money this isn't pfizer dude how much money do you think's being made on a pad washer and so that's what i'm going to buy he's my favorite guy on the internet mind you there's a thousand of them it's just the wildest stuff all the time and you know who gets put in the crosshairs the most chemical companies wow these chemical companies are doing this and they're doing that and In 99.9% of the time, when I send them to you, I go, this isn't even correct. He doesn't even have the players right, the prices right. 
the the you know you can find this at AutoZone for three dollars. It's like no, you can't. That's just not true. And so he's the most entertaining guy in detailing right now is conspiracy theory guy. All right, but conspiracy theories overall, like in detailing, have been around quite a while, right? Like it does seem like there's more of this sect of group that like to put out content around conspiracy theories, right? One long time conspiracy theory that you and I have joked about over the past year plus, well, one of them's definitely been silicone, right? There's always this conspiracy theory about silicone and it's, completely gone now and they're having to get it from this third world country and this other sector of the universe right like yep. it's it's crazy and it, by the way that's not just detailers you'll talk to raw material suppliers mm-hmm. and, and they'll tell you you know if you don't get it now it, it's going to be gone from the earth forever i mean they think it's like dinosaurs and you and I, in the last year, we'll share some behind the scenes. We had to be pretty level-headed because let's say 10 people from 10 different companies tell you that story. You got to take it seriously. And then you got to say, well, wait a minute. I've been doing this 20 years. I've heard the same BS for right? 20 yeah. years. <laughs> okay. And so what ended up happening to companies that didn't stay level-headed, for those that don't know, is they went out and bought a bunch of silicone and they bought it at a price that's like 150% over what the cost of silicone is now. Now, these are people that supposedly have been in the industry for 30 years, 10 years, 20 years. So they've seen this come and go, but believe it or not, you're exactly right. Probably the biggest conspiracy theory that detailers never hear about is the behind the scenes thing of somebody telling you, silicone's going to be removed from the earth like dinosaurs you better get yours now like it it is pretty crazy on the supplier side of things how often you hear that story when silicone because it's a commodity and as all of you that buy gasoline which is a commodity you know the price goes up and down it doesn't magically disappear from the world there can be all kinds of conspiracy theories around protection right uh, we would joke about the people that would hit cars or light cars on fire and conspiracy theories around that conspiracy theory that popped out maybe what a year ago or so, maybe a little bit longer. I don't know, but it had us rolling on the floor was the conspiracy theory guy talking about ceramic coatings and how, if you smell a ceramic coating, it's going to, in a sense, crystallize your lungs and ceramic coating companies are hiding this information from you and, Everybody's about to die. Yeah, like that was something <laughs> that probably most of our crowd didn't see. But for those that didn't see it, I mean, he was dead serious. You know, everybody's in cahoots against you and everybody's, you know, not telling you the truth and everybody's, you know, uh, you know, hiding this fact. Well, we have it in our warehouse. We have it at HQ. If we thought all these bad things were going to happen, how the hell would we ever sell it? Because we wouldn't ever be able to make it and put it into a bottle and send it out. I mean, okay, you guys have PPE. Well, okay, if you think that that's what's going on, then buy the same PPE and protect yourself. If that's what you believe. But he never does that, as we saw from his content. And all he did was do three minutes of Googling some words and thought, 
oh man, these companies are in cahoots. I mean, still the top one is every chemical that you buy is the same. That's the biggest mm. conspiracy theory. Mm. Oh, they everybody gets it from this company. You have no idea how it works if you say that. And just because you use the word blender or blending doesn't mean you understand what's going on in the detailing chemical market. Because when you use that word, what you're telling people is you don't actually understand it because that is not the biggest driver of the market. The biggest driver of the market is what's called contract manufacturing. So when you use the word blender, you show your ignorance to the people that actually know what's going on. And by the way, you should kind of cheer that on because otherwise dressing would be like $200 a gallon. Just in the economics, if everybody had to build multi-million dollar manufacturing facilities, think about how expensive things would be then. So that is right. Like, and there's so many people that just talk about that overall, right? Like, oh, and there's the, there's the conspiracy theory, like, oh, it's the same thing. You just put different color in it, right? Oh, it's the same thing. You just put a different scent in it. So conspiracy theories happen, whether it's inside chemicals, inside of detailing, they happen overall, but why, right? Like, why do you think conspiracy theories get traction? Because you and I, if we use something that didn't work or we didn't like something, we, we grab it and we just probably toss it away. We wouldn't really think much of it, but for some reason, there's people that want to go out there. They want to spend their time. They want to tell everybody about this big, big theory of things that might be happening. Why do you think it catches traction? Is it, is it just a drama? People just like drama? Yeah, I think that's part of it. But I think you also have to realize somebody wants to sound intelligent. They got a piece of information that you don't know. And I remember this, this was probably three or four years ago. And I wasn't involved with HyperClean as an owner at that point. But I'll never forget a YouTuber who's really big uh, that everybody would know. Uh, I was at a ceramic coating booth with him in SEMA, and I got kind of frustrated with him in a, in a conversation because he kept telling me he knows all this stuff going on. And I'll never forget the ceramic coating booth we were sitting at. I had the owner's cell phone on me. I talked to him all the time because we were one of the biggest movers of that coating company. And I said, you're saying a lot of things and you're involved with this brand. Have you ever talked to a decision maker? He looked at me, he goes, well, yeah, I talked to so-and-so. Well, I knew so-and-so wasn't a decision maker. He was just a manager. And I said, that's not the decision maker. I texted this number. I said, have you ever talked to so-and-so? Right in front of him. I held my phone. He goes, no, never heard of him. I said, that's the actual owner. So you never got the real story because even the guy you're dealing with who works for the company doesn't have the real story. And this goes back to some things we've been sharing on the podcast and some episodes we've done and some things I said Saturday is that you have to realize something, man, there's levels to this, right? The guys that you and I talk to because of 20 plus years each in this business and the contacts we have, it's not very hard for you and I to get to an owner. Uh, name the company. We can get to an owner pretty quick and we can text. Hey, do you know so-and-so never heard of him? So what do I know then? I know this guy went on his YouTube page and got a thousand or 3000 or a hundred thousand or a million views on a video about how chemicals are made. And he could have thought he talked to a decision maker, right? Because he talked to this national sales manager, 
great. That's a great position. That guy has no idea what's going on behind the scenes with the owner, with the ownership group. He had no idea who the owners were. He had no idea where the product was really made. He had no knowledge of this coding that he was so supportive of, but also thought it was different than every other coding, right? That, that he had been using and they do it this way. And this guy told me this and I go, held it up and said, that ain't the decision maker, man. You don't know what you're talking about. You need to be very cautious of putting your reputation. Now, here's the funny thing. He basically since then, and I'll give him a lot of credit because I really like this guy. He really never went back into that topic again, which even if you told these thousand people making this content, the truth, most of them would keep making the content, right? Most people don't want to hear that they were wrong. And by the way, it's not about being right and wrong. And it's just about, you really don't know how the sausage is made just because one of your buddies told you how it was made. You, you got to really start talking to some decision makers and really understand the business. And this is why we tell people, understand the companies that are making car wash chemicals. Understand the companies that are heavy in the dealership market, making chemicals for dealerships and relabeling them to you. We've never hidden those facts. Okay. Those are out there. And there's catalog companies popping up every day that have 100 detail sprays and 72 tire shines. And it's real easy to pick out of a lineup. But to paint with such a broad brush seems weird. And this is what's great about conspiracy theory guy. Everybody's doing it wrong except them. Right? Don't trust anybody except me. It's like, well, that, that's kind of a strange hill to be on. But that, that's where we find ourselves at times. And the, the DNA of conspiracy theory guy runs rampant through different parts of quote unquote. I know we listened to Saturday's episode. We're not going to talk about the industry, right? So it's not so much the industry. That's a joke, but his DNA conspiracy <laughs> theory guy runs through rampant throughout the industry. It happens, it happens. It pops up. You see it in different places. And you mentioned one place here that we definitely see the DNA of conspiracy theory guy. And what's our problem with listening to him though? Because if you go look at conspiracy theory guy throughout the industry, different parts of him, he gets a lot of views, right? Usually people are going to watch different aspects of somebody that puts out a conspiracy theory. But if we look at who that guy is and we won't go after him, so to speak, right? You and I won't take our time to do this, but other people can. You can go look at, well, what has he been doing? Who is he? Which you and I have said we should always do. But we can look at conspiracy theory guy and we can go, hmm, is conspiracy theory guy actually good at business? Because a business person is going to find problems and then create solutions. A conspiracy theorist guy in detailing is going to find problems and Talk about it and yep. create dialogue about it. And he yeah. does a great job of being a conspiracy theorist. But what yep. does he get done? Yeah, no, it's it's a great point. I, I think here'd be my question. If I thought all these people were screwing people over, the first thing I would think to myself is there's a huge opportunity here because nobody's doing it the right way. I'm gonna go make all this money by doing it the right way. Yet I bet when they go check into it, their conspiracy theories don't check out. It's not easy. 
It doesn't work how they think it works. There's a ton of capital expenditure, which they don't have. And all of a sudden, instead of doing your homework, and again, this is, this is just a fun topic. And I mean it when I say it, I genuinely laugh at these videos. Like th this is pure entertainment for me. And there's a segment of the population that just wants to believe somebody's getting over on them. That's what they want to do with their time. The government's getting over on me. Uh, my friends are getting over on me. All these people are getting, I'm the only one that, that sees the light. And it's like, okay, man, then there should be a lot of money in the light. Right? You, you should be making millions of dollars since everybody's doing things the wrong way. Because we all know as people that have ventured into business, when I see a bunch of people doing it the wrong way, if I go do it the right way, man, there's a lot of money to be had. And yet those people are still walking into Walmart trying to tell you how to, you know, save $2 on a tire shine that doesn't work the same as the one you actually like. So there was no reason to save the $2. Plus you had to drive there. Plus you had to walk through the store. Plus you had to find it. Plus they just never do all of the math. And, and this idea that everybody in the world is making all of this money, I gave the statistics on Saturday. It's just not true. Doesn't matter what I want to be true. And this is where you get in why it's so funny to me. When you go through the facts of business, there ain't that many people that even have a million dollars in revenue in a business. That's a very rare business to do a million dollars. So how is, and that's in revenue, not in profit. So how easy is it? And how much of a conspiracy is it if most people don't make that much money? And we've gotten stories recently, not only are people not making money in this business, we heard a story of somebody losing six figures over of a couple month period. Like, I'm here not to tell you. just to somebody. <laughs> yeah, like, we have to understand our group of people that follow us, what I want you to realize is, there isn't a conspiracy. Trust me when I say that. Like, that's what makes this stuff so fun and entertaining to talk about, which is why we're talking about it here. But ultimately, we're talking about it because as soon as you see somebody discussing things that way, you probably should run the other way. Because I, I can promise you, the pad washer company, whoever makes it the one you like, is not getting over on you. And this is a big, big cry from how we grew up in the business. When you didn't like a product, you just never bought it again. You didn't think there was some big conspiracy against you. Yeah. So you mentioned, right, because we do. We mostly talk to people. We we love our community. It's a great community. People interact with the Hyper Clean Specialist Group. We come on the community pub. We love being out there, enjoying our car life, detailing, everything, right? But so when we're listening to people and we're hearing them, or maybe we want to go, I hope I'm not one of those people. There's a certain characteristic that does begin to take place, which you and I have also realized is that conspiracy theory guy doesn't like to take criticism. And so yeah. you can actually begin to really pick out conspiracy theory guy. If in his comment section, he's bah, 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 if anybody puts any info back, right. Or makes a video to explain to people why they're wrong and they're right. Right. Conspiracy theory guy actually his DNA, like I mentioned earlier, falls into some other categories in the industry. And part of that is the know-it-all guy, the guy that <laughs> cannot take any criticism, can't ever take any criticism. Nick, 
<laughs> you and I spend a lot of time giving, and there's different levels of what we would call constructive criticism, or let's not go there. Let's just call it criticism. You and I criticize each other quite a bit, yep. right? Like it's part of it. it not everybody wants to be okay with criticism and they want to be the right guy. Is that going, Hmm, I got a little DNA of conspiracy theory guy in me. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I don't think any of us, myself included, love to hear, you know, we did a bad job or, you know, Hey, you don't have this right, but there's also a way to take it. Right. There's, there's, there's people that I really respect that will give me a piece of criticism and, and, you know, you and I fall into this. Hey man, you should have done this different, Nick. Okay. You're right. That's on me. I'll do it a little different next time. I, I think the word I'm looking for is coachable, right? Because you and I both grew up playing sports and I'm sure many people listening to this had some kind of athletic endeavor in their life. And a coach would grab your face mask and yank it around when you messed up. I think there's a big part of the world now that never had that experience, right? So they don't know what it's like to get yelled at for, you know, missing a coverage or, you know, making a bad throw as a quarterback or whatever. And that's why so many companies are trying to hire ex-athletes because they, they got criticized their whole life, right? Coaches, that's all they do is criticize you. So if you have any type of athletic experience, you're going to go right to the top of the pile for like 99% of jobs, right? Because they know you're coachable. And so the interesting thing is, and this is why I applaud the guy that, that I'm talking about from SEMA, is you know what? He looked at it and goes, yeah, you're right. And since then, him and I have had a, a couple discussions in those next couple years, and he let it go, right? He goes, yeah, you're right, man. I, and it's not my place to worry about it. I just want to run my business. And that was his exact viewpoint on it which is, yeah, I didn't know what I was talking about. I shot my mouth off. He didn't go make some apology. He just said, I'm going to, I'm, I'm not going to really do that type of content anymore. And we see this the biggest in the content world. You know, like you said, somebody makes a comment on one of these guys' videos. That doesn't mean bad stuff doesn't happen. We shared the, 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 the fake scratch video uh, that took place guys. There's bad shit that goes on, but as a percentage it's a pretty small percentage and you need to call it a spade a spade when you see it. And if you went to that guy's, that company's page and that guy's page, he denied that they did it, but you just move on with your life. And that's what I think it comes down to is I take a lot of criticism all the time in my life. Cause as an owner, you're the one that's supposed to eat the criticism for your team. That's my belief. And so a customer isn't happy. I eat the criticism, not my guys. My guys hardly ever hear any criticism. I will feed them and relay it to them in a positive way, in a coachable way. But all my team members or team members at HyperClean, the only good ones we've ever had are all coachable. And they're not a know-it-all. They're not trying to be right about everything. And, and yeah, you're probably right. This, this conspiracy theory guy probably goes into the know-it-all detailer. And let me tell you something. None of us know it all which is what makes these videos so hilarious because when you're in the know and you realize this guy is just making something up, you go, this just, this just isn't even close to the truth. And, and so then you can't respond to him. I wouldn't do that anyway, but there's nothing you're going to say to change his mind. He's got it right. You got it wrong. You don't know what you're talking about. And again, 
if people saw HyperClean at HQ operate every day, they'd be pretty shocked what goes into actually putting a 16-ounce bottle from concept bottle into a box to get to your living room. <laughs> Let me tell you something, man. There's a lot more money in being a detailer than there is in sending products out. We had, we've recently had, as you know, Cox over here working with our internet. And that's what one of the guys actually asked me, right? Because they're curious when they're here, like, well, what is this? What do you do? Well, where's there more money? Is more money in detailing or in the products? I'm like, oh, are you kidding me? You got much more margin in detailing. You can make much more money in detailing a car than you can sell a product. And the, and uh, the only difference is like to, and this is why we push guys to distribution. You can scale a product business much easier. And so you're getting more money by the volume you're able to put out as an individual. But as a one bottle of product versus one detail, there is no, it's not even in the same stratosphere. There's mm -hmm. way more money in one detail than there is in one 16 ounce bottle of product. Cause that 16 ounce bottle runs and it keeps going. And that guy rebuys it many times inside of the service side, unless you're into maintenance, which we're the predominant force right now in the industry talking maintenance. So very few overall have one interesting guy that has started to, peep his head out but it's always been around we don't really want to talk about him it's the my detailing weather here is more difficult than it is in other parts of the country <laughs> hey but that, we're not that's really, the marty mo right there that, Are you telling yeah. on yourself here? <laughs> we're, we're not going to talk about that guy because nick would point out that that's me so uh but with the interesting part about when you're in the Midwest or somewhere outside of Las Vegas and outside of California and outside of you great places that always have those wonderful weather for everybody else in the rest of the world, exactly. right? Uh, we, it's not just cleaning a car that you got to worry about in the winter. It's really not. There's actually a lot more that you got to worry about. For those of you that are coming out of the cold and then having a the little bit of the nice weather what we had, guess what you get? You get these giant six to eight inch deep, sometimes two feet in diameter, giant holes in the asphalt that we call potholes. What do they do? Well, the amount of wrecks that I've been seeing lately, it's not just hitting the wheels but it's the amount of people that are trying to swerve from them. Then they hit into something else. But wow, let's talk about the damage that a pothole does to a wheel. A lot of the people here that have the ability to, they'll swap their wheels back and forth between a, a winter to a, a summer wheel. Is that a thing in Vegas or no? No, we don't really have that, but I grew up around that. You know, you always had a winter set and a, and a summer set, uh, especially as uh, rims got, a little thinner walled, you had a little bit, uh, lower pro t tire, you know, that's, that's a tough wheel to run, you know, as potholes or, or just pure traction, uh, in the winter time. So you'll see people swap those out. I mean, it exists and it happens, but I grew up where I grew up, we had potholes and we get them out here more from the, uh, expansion and contraction of, of the concrete, you know, in the summer and the winter, we don't, we have nicer roads to drive out here, but look, you can get into parts of Southern California where the roads are miserable. Uh, so that is not a Midwest, upper North, upper Midwest or, or Northeast thing. 
that happens everywhere. But yeah, people will swap uh, winter and summer sets for sure. So the magicians, I think, which we'd heard a, an episode we talked about where they talk about detailers and magicians. I think a part in detailing, because I'm going to go ahead and throw it as it, it, it could if there's people that would get over into it. I think the true magicians inside of reconditioning a vehicle are the wheel guys. I mean, they oh, yeah. are phenomenal. So watch what they can do on a curb rash. If, if you, and listen, if you haven't known from experience, that's when you really find out. I curbed a, uh, a customer's car, backing it out of their garage, and they had put in a new part of their flower bed that I didn't know about. And it affected me so much, even 20 years now later, I still remember hitting it going, what in the world was that? Yeah, it's and I get out and they the had planet. extended their flower bed and I had this giant gouge in their wheel and there's nothing I could do, right? So I had to figure out who could come fix it, how they could repair it. And then I watched what they did. And definitely yep. as I got over to the dealership world, watching what a wheel guy can do. Yeah. They are one. the magicians. You know, th this, is, this is the one where you're really looking for the good one because wheel repair can go really wrong. You can have guys crack wheels. They don't know how to rebend them. They don't know how to do those things properly. Uh, they don't have the right equipment. They're kind of trying to do it half-ass, but truthfully, it's also something that's never been easier to do, but I, I actually see worse work today than I did 10 years ago. That's the interesting thing. As with all the wheel finishes that have come along, one of the things that wheel guys struggle with now is having uh, a way to refinish all the different finishes. So a good one now, very rare. Uh, a lot of guys don't want to do the prep work. They don't want to really do it. You know, you just had basic alloy rims for so long. Now you got, you know, painted and powder coated and all these different finishes. It's become way more of an art form now. It's never been easier to do right, but there's just not that many guys that do it right. No, so if you hit a pothole, find that guy. The other thing that happens in the winter that a lot of people constantly talk about is, and it's it's through anywhere through the mountains to a lot of places in the in the northeast that put out heavy salt, but they also mix in another chemical, mag chloride. Right. Yeah. This is a thing that people talk about in the winter. How do I care for my vehicle in the winter? How do I make sure that the mag chloride and let's take a little bit of a moment because does mad chloride magically, once it gets on a vehicle, does it magically begin to eat it? No, no, it doesn't. And you're actually looking to care. Okay, well, how do I care for a vehicle that I got mad chloride on it? I, I would imagine there's some special thing that you got to do, right? Like some incredible thing that you got to make sure that you do. Yeah, no, it's... Like wash anything it. else, you got to wash the car. Uh, you shouldn't have, you know, this topic, which is really excellent, came up inside the specialist group, and we appreciate that uh, because it gives us a topic here. But it's just a misunderstanding. If you're having a ceramic coating that really doesn't stand up to mag chloride, you got a problem either A, installation wise, which can happen, or you got a coating issue that that coating you put on was not robust enough to fight the elements that you're in. Either one of those things can happen. But I think largely people look at road salt and they think about what it does to the underside of a truck or a car. Remember, 
those are largely not powder coated from a manufacturer. Those are largely have zero protection on them. They are easily to corrode. That's not the same for a clear coat. It's very hard to corrode a, a clear coat with just something like road salt. Okay. Can it happen? Yes, but that's a severely neglected vehicle. That isn't somebody that even took the pride to go through a rinse, just a rinse only car wash all the time. If they did that, road salt would basically be null and void to their car paint. And so what we do is we take this idea that road salt is really damaging to the undercarriage. And we think the undercarriage is exactly like the paint system. Well, in that case, it's not anywhere near the same thing. You have a lot of bare metal in the bottom uh, parts of your car. You have zero protection. Clear coat is a protectant to your paint system. It is something we get asked a lot. We're pretty fortunate. We have some guys moving a lot of ceramic coatings, and you've had guys moving ceramic coatings out in Colorado by the thousands for years now, going on, what, seven years? Uh, we have a pretty good data set on mag chloride and, and road salt. I got to tell you, if your coating is built properly, mag chloride is not a consideration. And I'm going to say this for all these people that make fun of Las Vegas, like Marty, give me mag chloride over extreme UV rays on a coating. Cause I can tell you which one damages it more. And it's definitely the sun. And that would be the same for anybody's sun anywhere. The sun is way more damaging to your car's paint than, you know, a little bit of mag chloride for a couple months a year. Yep, definitely true. And when you're up talking to people inside of the States that use heavy mag chloride and you do enough homework and you get down to figure out exactly what is the problem with mag chloride on a vehicle and you hear Nick and the way he talks, you go, you're absolutely right, Nick. It's metal. And you know, the only time that I have metal showing on my paint system is when I've hit a rock chip. Oh, good point. So really the only time on your paint that you should be concerned about mag chloride is metal, which could be on your vehicle or it could be covered by clear coat and paint. So either one of those two times, that's the only time you really should be concerned about mag chloride. You just wash good, it off. It's yeah, it's a good good opinion. And if you're that worried about rock chips, you know, put PPF on the car. Yep. Then you've avoided the mag chloride conversation altogether. Top to bottom. Yep. So it, it is a weird thing. And and I always, you know, I, I remember this back when I first started detailing in Ohio. The the one thing that was funny to me is we looked at road salt back then like it was some magical thing right yeah. like oh if it gets on yeah. your car because yeah. everybody was remembering those old, old toyotas that would like rust all the way through and they'd be like that was road salt it's like uh no dude it was a combination of road salt and that guy never took care of the vehicle like it, it wasn't just like in this vacuum of the car eating itself because it got a little road salt on it now i still think it's a fantastic question because we have a lot of things around ceramic coating. And this is why when you look at a product like Uno, we, we use those words of overbuilt, right? Because again, you have a lot of people that will sell you a coating and tell you it's going to last at its very limit if everything goes perfectly. And so then you might get this idea in your head, this is going to last five years. This is going to last seven years. Well, what if they told you seven years and it was only built for two, then you may have a worry because by the time you get to the third year, fourth year, fifth year, you go, 
There's no coding on the car. It's not acting right. It's not doing. There's an argument, but it should have been maintained. You should have been seeing it all along degrade. And when you see it degrade, you go ahead and give it a light polish and you put another layer of coating on. There is no magic sauce of, you know, we're going to save your paint system. But ceramic coating, if built properly, is pretty damn robust. And mag chloride just shouldn't be a topic of conversation because it's not going to corrode a coating away in the matter of minutes. It's just not going to happen. It's not corrosive enough to what ceramic coating does well, right? It can be corrosive to bare metal, as you said, but it's not corrosive to a clear coated system. Not if, again, if you leave the road salt on for two years straight, we have a different conversation. I think we're talking about most people get it off within a month or two. And you're talking about very, very little opportunity for damage at that point. Yep. All right, man. Great episode. Right, we'll see you next week. We won't have any more football to talk about, I guess. I guess yeah. I don't know what we'll do. Uh-huh. All right, bro. Talk about something, huh? Yeah, we'll figure Maybe it cars. out. Maybe cars. Yeah, we'll, we'll do, do more that. cars next week. All right. <laughs> see ya. <laughs> hey, community. You might have put yourself in some of these places and go, yeah, I, I get that. that. And had a fun joke and laugh at the same time, too. Listen, you might also find yourself in a place like a, a guy I talked to earlier today who's who's out of Florida. And listen, it's awesome because he said he's doing at least about a coating a day. So that's wonderful. Is that a day or it takes you a day? And he goes, oh, well, yeah, I mean, I guess it takes me a day. I, okay, that makes more sense. So why does it take you so long? And he was telling me about all the stuff that coating company was making him do and everything that was going on at not a single layer. He couldn't just wash, decon, and coat. So we realized, well, his experience wasn't so great. Not only for his customer having to keep the car so long at his place and they couldn't be enjoying their car, but also having to have the vehicle in there for so long and how much work it was taking just to apply the product. So you know what he did? He went to hypercleanstore.com. He got some hyperclean Uno. And he's now going to start doing, because I said, and I want you to do the same thing. I want you to imagine, because that's what I told him. I said, I want you to imagine. So I want you to do the same thing. Imagine. Just think. If it was taking you one day to do a car, what would your day be like if you did four cars? What if you were able to get that many cars in and out of your business What would it mean like as an experience for your customer using a proven product? And what would it mean for you and your experience? Overall, you'll find what he found. Because it's the better way to go. Here's to your car life. Here's to growth. This is Marshall. I hope you make it a great day.